Team Training. Please check out my website at vetteamtraining.com where you can find my continuing education site as well as some really cool veterinary unicorn merchandise as well as some blogs, vlogs, and podcasts. I went into veterinary medicine because I love animals and I've dedicated my life to them. I was the cliche vet tech from when I was a little kid. My parents will tell you I picked up critters, I wanted to take care of everything, and pretty much always knew I was going to work with animals. I went into veterinary medicine to save animal lives. It's that simple. It's not complicated. It's not hard. I really love animals. And then came the reality of veterinary medicine. You have to charge for services. Unfortunately, we can't give stuff away for free. And in my, you know, childhood brain, I kind of envisioned just saving all the animals and doing everything that we could and it all being free and everybody being happy. The reality is, is that veterinary medicine, especially high-end veterinary medicine, costs a lot of money. Unfortunately, what a lot of public people are unaware of is that the, the medical devices, the equipment, all of that is the same price in both human or veterinary medicine. So a bag of fluids costs the same, whether or not you are working in human medicine or veterinary medicine. The MRI equipment, the CT scanner, the catheters, the vaccines, all of them cost the same in both human and veterinary medicine. And yet, in veterinary medicine, we charge significantly less. A bag of fluids in, vet in human healthcare can cost $50 to $100 for one bag of fluids. And yet we charge $25, maybe $30 to that particular client. Or we kind of lump it all into one lump sum, right? Just IV fluids. We barely charge anything. The reality is, is that our actual margin for what we charge and what we make is so slim compared to our human healthcare counterparts. Unfortunately, this is where moral fatigue, also known sometimes as ethical fatigue, comes into play. Because the reality is, is we have to charge money. And there's a lot of financial freedom that happens when you actually do make money. We don't want to admit it, but when we're comfortable in our finances in veterinary medicine, then we can pay our employees better, they burn out less, they don't have to work two or three jobs. We can buy equipment. We can make sure our building's not falling down. We're not in debt. All of those things are super important because unfortunately what happens is that the vast majority of veterinary practices worldwide are owned by veterinarians. You got a degree in veterinary medicine. That does not make you an automatic business owner that knows what they're doing. Unfortunately, a business degree and a veterinary doctorate degree are two totally different things. And unfortunately, a lot of veterinarians find this out by trial and error. Innately, all veterinary professionals know these things to be true. We know we need to charge for services. We know that veterinary medicine costs money. We certainly feel it every day because veterinarians, some of you are dealing with close to half a million dollars in debt for student loans. Some of you business owners are unfortunately having to sell to corporations because you are so in debt. There is no way that you will get yourself out. So you need to sell so that you can get yourself in debt and still survive. And veterinary technicians, you know, you're working two, three jobs, CSRs, same with you. You are working two, three jobs to make ends meet. So innately, we know we need to charge for services, but here is the point of where we are going to go with this podcast. Why are we giving so much shit away for free? 
That is my big question because we do it all the time. It's not just doctors. It's not veterinary technicians. It's not CSRs. We undervalue ourselves and we just give it all away for free because of our moral and ethical issues that we have. On one hand, there is a breathing, living creature that we have dedicated and taken an oath to. I took an oath as a veterinary technician when I graduated. And it was pretty powerful because one of my uh, teachers actually had us come over to her house. It was kind of a big deal. She cooked for us. And we sat down, lit some candles in this room, and we all read the veterinary technician oath together. If you've not heard it, it's beautiful. So I'm going to read it to you because I think if you're a veterinarian or you're a client service rep or your practice manager, you probably have never heard it. But here's what I dedicated my life to. The veterinary technician oath is as follows. I solemnly dedicate myself to aiding animals and society by providing excellent care and service for animals, by alleviating animal suffering and promoting public health. I accept my obligations to practice my professions conscientiously and with sensitivity adhering to the profession's code of ethics and furthering my knowledge and competence through a commitment to lifelong learning. Wow, that's pretty deep, right? I literally took this oath and I'll never forget it because we just sat there in silence and our teacher said to us, how does that make you feel? And I remember thinking that feels like the weight of how an animal's going to do is on my shoulders. It feels like I'm responsible for that patient's care, for their safety, for their well-being, and to make sure that they are happy and as pain-free as possible. And she said, yeah, exactly. That's what you just dedicated yourself to doing. So here I am dedicating myself to animals, everything that I do in life, and now I have to charge money for it. It doesn't feel good, but we know we have to do it. So I want to talk about a little bit of my own journey. And let me be very honest with you. I'm not perfect at this. It feels bad sometimes to charge people who can't afford veterinary care, but I know it has to get done. It feels not great and always bucks my moral and ethical compass when I'm dealing with trying to offer best veterinary care, realizing someone doesn't have the funds. And ultimately, all of this comes to guilt, right? So when we think about moral and ethical fatigue, a lot of it stems from the guilt we feel about charging clients. Overcoming guilt is exceptionally hard. I don't think that there's an actual perfect solution to this. I've done some research on it, and so I want to share with you a couple of things that psychologists say. The, guilt, the root of guilt is kind of this, like, comes from a social emotion. It is something that says this is right or wrong. This is what I should do or shouldn't do. And whenever guilt becomes present, and I always like to say guilt is a nasty liar. It lives inside of our head. It, it can be a sign that you need to look more closely at a specific situation or behavior because you are perceiving that what you are doing is wrong. And again, it doesn't feel good when you know you have that puppy that comes in it's a $5,000 estimate. You can clearly tell this is probably going to be a very difficult conversation. The client is now crying and saying, what do you mean it costs $5,000? You, you only love money. You don't love animals here. And you start to feel guilty about it. So unfortunately, we have guilt, but we also have toxic guilt. Toxic guilt is the thing that says, I am doing harm to this client Unfortunately, it starts to infest you as well, and you start to believe that you as a veterinarian, you as a client service rep, as a practice manager, as a veterinary technician, are failing the client, failing the pet, 
And unfortunately, that toxic guilt can make you feel terrible. And when you bring home this toxic guilt, unfortunately, it actually kind of creeps in to your everyday behavior. You start saying to people, well, the clinic charges too much. Well, unfortunately, it's a corporation, so they're money grubbing. They set the prices. There isn't anything I can do about this. And again, the reality, especially if you're dealing with small hospitals, we're not rolling in dough. And from a corporation standpoint, yes, one could argue like some of the corporations are worth millions and millions of dollars. That said, the margin at which they operate is very slim compared to human healthcare, and they need more money because they have hundreds, if not thousands, of hospitals. If all of a sudden they needed to change something that cost a couple millions of dollars, they need millions of dollars in order to make that change. So on a big business level, one could argue that in order to move the needle on thousands of hospitals, you need millions of dollars to do that. Whereas moving the needle in a smaller hospital, you need less cash flow. That said, we have to recognize that we start to feel guilty about charging people. And as such, we start to give shit away for free. <laughs> It manifests. We start to hide the things we're doing. We're saying, hey, I'll take $100 off your bill, or if we cut this or we cut that. And we start to devalue our services. And what does that really say to the client? The client then leaves going, of course I knew they were charging that much, too much because they actually, the bill went from $5,000 to $2,500. Of course they were charging too much. And it's because I brought it up and I argued with them that they cut the money. Um, so the, the reality is, is that client has now a learned behavior. If there is something that costs too much, if I yell at someone in veterinary medicine, I can get it to cost less because they're charging too much and they're trying to upsell me or they're trying to um, you know, take advantage of me and they don't love animals. And clients believe this. I mean, it's all over the internet. Unfortunately, it's all over the internet, it's on the news. People truly believe that veterinarians and veterinary hospitals are purposely charging too much and that they need to stop and they need to charge less. It's actually really offensive. So whenever we devalue our services and we take money off, we're telling that client, yeah, you're right, we were charging too much, so my bad. So how do you stop feeling guilty? I, I, again, I kind of dove into some research, went to some you know, psychologist website. Psych Central has a lot of really great stuff. And the first thing is acknowledge it exists. Realize you are feeling guilty and you're struggling with moral and ethical fatigue because you want to be able to provide all of nothing but the best care for this animal, but you have to charge money in order to do so. So we have to acknowledge it exists. Sometimes we don't recognize that. That's the first thing. Once we recognize that it exists and I'm struggling with guilt, we have to eliminate the negative self-talk, the thought talk that says, I uh, can't believe I have to charge this much or I'm not doing right by this client because I have to charge them or I'm a horrible person because I have to charge them. I want you to get all of that negative self-talk out. And so like I said, inside every single one of our heads, there's a guilty liar. There's that guilty liar and that person lies to you and it lies to your brain. But there's also another person inside your brain. It's called your best friend. Your best friend tells you the truth. Your best friend says to you, listen, I know I have to charge for these services. Listen, I know you are a great veterinarian. I know you're a great veterinary technician. You're an amazing client service rep. You do love animals. The reality is, is that this client is uh, does not have a full appreciation of the cost of veterinary medicine. 
they do not understand because they are just ignorant and don't know what exactly veterinary medicine entails. They got a dog or they got a cat not realizing it was going to cost something if something happened to it or that it even costs money to spay and neuter them. There's plenty of people who think that just should be free all the time. And listen, there are some free services out there. But we have to eliminate the negative self-talk and things like saying I'm a bad person or I should have never gone in this field or the field is corrupt certainly doesn't benefit anyone. So like I mentioned, there's a best friend in your head. I want you to ask your best friend and say, hey, um, what really is the truth? Because your best friend's gonna tell you the truth and the best friend is gonna tell you you are amazing, you are doing the best you can and you have to charge for all those things. Many articles around guilt is going to talk to you about things of understanding what you can control. And if you are not the practice owner, if you're not the owner of the corporation, then honestly, there's only so much you can control in terms of pricing. And not that that helps justify some of the pricing models out there or that they seem really high, but realize you can't control it. But what you can control is your compassion and empathy towards this client. When they scream at you and say you're money grubbing, again, there's a best friend that lives inside your head. And the best friend is saying, none of those things are true. This person is angry because they don't have funds. I am going to treat them with nothing but the utmost empathy and care and compassion and try to offer them the best care that they can afford, which is really important. And I think in this profession, we have to realize that there's no perfection when it comes to charging. There's never going to be a time where every single person on planet Earth can afford all the veterinary care for their pet patients. But there's different levels of care and there's different things that we can do for the veterinary patient. So let's dive into the things that are in our control. Because again, we can't just keep giving shit away for free. And I know doctors who have literally written off thousands, tens of thousands Dare I even say like $50,000, $75,000 in a year of services gone. That is someone's entire salary. And they justify it by saying we charge too much and that's why I've written all this stuff off the bill. And again, every time you devalue your services, basically there's someone who says, ah, exactly, veterinarians are charging too much for services. And that's not true. First and foremost, every veterinary hospital has within their ability to become what I love to call financially friendly, meaning that we are going to make sure that we have options for clients who may struggle with finances. So payment options. There's a ton of payment options out there. I would say that my least personal favorite is if you offer the client a payment plan because now you are on the hook for having to manage the payment plans, taking them to small business court. That never sounds really good. Like it doesn't look good for the metrics, especially if you're a small town. I get it, it's easy, but honestly, lawyers have a field day with this because the terms are very rarely laid out. You don't have clients oftentimes sign anything. And in the 90s, we did this in general practice. We offered payment plans for everybody. I remember one time offering payment plans for people and then adding them all up once I was a manager. And the hospital basically had over $50,000 owed to it. And we were never going to see it. There's one lady who came in and she paid $10 a month on a $2,000 bill. You can do the math on this. She was never going to pay it off anytime, anytime soon. The reality is, is that veterinary payment options now have companies that help you. There's a lot of third-party veterinary payment plans out there, such as like things like vet billing and a couple other ones. And so the pricing might be different, but it takes it out of your hands, and legally, it's a lot easier to manage. 
There's also things like Care Credit and Scratch Pay, where they're kind of like payment plans, but it's attached to a credit card with usually a zero interest or a low interest rate. So certainly look into those options if you're not aware of, of those options or not currently utilizing them. Certainly, we could also have affordable veterinary care. I know a lot of big companies, Banfield's a great example of this, where they offer kind of all of their um, you know, general practice care in a package. So in, especially for puppies and kittens, you can buy a package and it's discounted off. So people don't have to think about paying every single time. There's no reason why a single practice can't offer something simple so like that. For example, your spay, your neuter, your dental profi, whatever it is, is all lumped in for the year and they pay one flat price for these services. And they can do sometimes monthly payment plans or something like that. Whatever that is, you can offer that and that offers a little bit of more financial stability for people who might be struggling to pay every single time they come to the hospital. It also is a little bit more transparent. Clients aren't wondering like, oh my gosh, in this year for you know general practice care or health care for my pet, how much is it going to cost me? Here's the fee and this is what this looks like. Certainly, if clients actually, you know, maybe meet certain income requirements and things like that, maybe we can offer special pricing on spay and neuters or dental profis or things like that. You know, certainly we can have discounted or free vaccines. I know that my general practice twice a year would offer discounted vaccines and we've paired with the town to offer free rabies vaccines. And that was also very nice. Pet food assistance or pet supplies might be able to be discounted if people have certain income. Whatever it is, we want to be able to kind of offer like that financially friendly environment that we say we care and we're giving back, but we're also not going to compromise our actual financial stability in this hospital by giving everything away for free. When we have this sort of ability to be able to offer tiered pricing for people based on income or be able to even raise money for people with low income, you know, GoFundMe, there's a couple other wonderful fundraising areas. And I am a huge fan of general practices, small hospitals, creating their own funds. And you can do that legally by people being able to donate to GoFundMe page. You can utilize that money and give it back to the people that come to your hospital that are struggling to pay things. Call it something really cute. You know, there's a ton of things out there. If I had all the money in the world, I often thought that I would just create a fund and maybe name it after my pets, you know, Havoc's Fund or Blitz's Fund, whatever it is. We name it after, you know, the hospital and it becomes the fund that we can go ahead and give back. And when our veterinarian is struggling and wants to write things off the bill, they instead can go to the fund and say, oh, I would like to donate $500 to the fund of the fund to this client. And then the client says, oh my gosh, you had a fund donate money to help me spay and neuter my dog or to go ahead and help with my, you know, dog or cat that had a broken leg. Whatever it is, the optics look a lot better because you have reached into a different area and provided a discount essentially, but it was also funds that were gathered. By the way, GoFundMe and other um, online uh, organizations that, that do those types of things, those are still tax write-offs. So if someone uh, donates to your GoFundMe of Havoc's fund, we'll say, 
And you can actually use that as a tax write-off here, at least in the United States. So um, it's a great way for people to, to go ahead and donate. So as people come in, have those pushes a couple times a year. Sell bandanas, you know, at your hospital. Um, you know, do something fun and quirky to raise money for the funds. And here's what that feels like. It feels really good to the staff when they raise fund money for the fund that is going to help low-income people that come to your hospital. If we all do fundraisers twice a year and the team gets really invested in it, it actually becomes a team bonding exercise. So again, being financially friendly is really great because it allows you to go ahead and flex and bend and help the, the people that you can. You know, ultimately, we want to also just give back in general, you know, especially if you are a general practice or a single doctor or just a single owner, giving back to the community is a really big deal. And this helps to decrease the guilt because when we give back to the community, yeah, we're giving away free services, but we're doing it in a controlled environment. And the next time that client, a next client comes in and says, this is not fair, you don't love my animals, yeah, you know that that actual best friend inside your head? That best friend is screaming. That best friend's going, you volunteered your services at a local shelter and donated eight hours of your time giving away spays and neuters to the kittens and the puppies of that shelter. This person doesn't know what they're talking about because you have done your time and good for you. That's going to make you feel a lot better and it's going to decrease your moral and ethical fatigue. It never is going to feel good about charging for veterinary medicine. I don't think any one of us who went into this profession is like, I love charging all the money. It's so great. If we could just give it away, it would be much better. But the reality is, is we know we have to charge. It doesn't feel good to charge though. So we have to get comfortable with charging and we have to teach our veterinarians about the importance of finances because sometimes these doctors who give away 10, 20, 30, 50, $75,000 a year, close to $100,000 a year. Yes, I absolutely know of hospitals where veterinarians, you know, not just one, a couple of them, <laughs> together gave away almost $100,000 in services. You got to stop giving shit away for free. You do so much. And so let's control what we give away so that we can become financially free in our own hospitals. It doesn't feel good when we have to sell our hospitals because we're going bankrupt. It doesn't feel good when we can't pay our staff. It doesn't feel good when our building is falling down and we have no funds to take care of it. It doesn't feel good. And so giving back to the community in a controlled manner is going to make us feel a lot better. So I encourage you to, to invest in your own, you know, uh, financial friendly environment, whatever that looks like, whether or not you decide to become a nonprofit or have a nonprofit sector of your hospital to help out low income individuals, whether or not you decide to offer veterinary payment options or, you know, low, um, uh, interest rate credit cards, whether or not you decide to discount certain services for certain income tiered individuals, whether or not you decide to give back to shelters and the community and that's what you decide to do. Whether or not you hold fundraisers so that you can get funds for the fund that you have set up for low income people, whatever that looks like, that's going to feel a lot better than just 
constantly writing off your services because that doesn't make any sense. And again, it just teaches the public that, hey, you can just walk all over us, you can yell at us, and if you call us money grubbing, what we'll do is we'll just discount your veterinary services. And then they go online and they say terrible things and they say things like, the bill was going to be $3,000, but after I yelled at them, it was only $1,500. Please do not devalue veterinary medicine. We all took an oath to help the animals. And I listen, I wish we could give it away for free. We all, you know, it's interesting because a lot of us, when we talk about winning the lottery, a lot of us include things like I'll open, you know, a free veterinary hospital or I'll open a shelter or I'm going to give back even more. We are hugely empathetic, compassionate individuals. It hurts us to charge money. I get it. But we also have to figure out how not to live with the guilt. And one way of not living with the guilt is to, again, remember it lies. Remember it lives in your head. But you also have a really good best friend. And the more that we do with controlled giving back, in my opinion, in my experience, it makes us feel a lot better when we have someone who is struggling. And then listen, the last thing that we can do is offer different tiered services. Listen, I'll give the example of a blocked cat. You know, easy, right? Blocked cat comes in, you know, textbooks are going to tell you we need to obviously give it some pain medication, sedate it in full, unblock it, it needs to be hospitalized for two to three days, IV fluids, all the blood work, checking electrolytes throughout, um, making sure it's eating and going home then on an appropriate diet to help prevent any debris or crystallization or stones that might build up. This is really important. We're going to take x-rays, you know, post-procedure, all these wonderful things. The reality also is, is that we can just, you know, give the cat some sedation, knock the kitty out, unblock it and send it home. And if it's an easy unblock where the cat is relatively healthy and the owner can't afford blood work, is that ideal? Of course it's not ideal. Textbooks are going to tell you it's not ideal. But is it worth trying to do as long as we explain to the owner this isn't ideal, but I would rather give this a try than not being able to do nothing? Like, yeah, of course. So there's tons of different different tiers. Textbooks are going to tell you, yeah, you need to go ahead and um, put in pins and put in and a fixer on a broken leg, you know, because this is how it's going to heal best. Or we slap a cast on it, we call it a day, and we hope it heals, right? Like there's definitely different layers of how to treat things. And textbooks are great and best medicine is always great. But in the end, the pet doesn't know. It just wants to be with its family and love its family and eat food and play and do all those great things. That's the best thing about being an animal is you live in the here and now. So how can we keep that animal with its owners? And we do that by doing all the things that we just talked about. We offer different tiers of medicine. Always offer the best. Maybe we have to, we have to reduce it a little bit. And we explain to the owner, hey, we're doing the best we can with the funds that you have. And when the guilt starts to seep in and that moral and ethical fatigue starts to seep in, remember all the great things you've already done. And again, if you can give yourself that financially friendly environment, it's going to feel better to work there because you know you've done everything that you can. And if you are an owner listening to this, get pet insurance. Realize veterinary medicine costs money. Set aside money. Don't just say you're going to set aside money every month for your pets. Actually do it. Create a fund. Put the money in it. I don't want to hear about excuses. If there's a decision between Starbucks and your pets, I want you to choose your pets. Now, obviously, if there's a decision between feeding your children and your pets, 
that becomes a lot harder, right? Everybody's got different bandwidths and everybody has different financial uh, environments. So I encourage all of our hospitals to not give all the shit away for free. We're gonna give shit away for free, that's what we do. But make sure that it's not as much as some of the numbers I've talked about. Make sure that you don't devalue your services and make sure that you don't feel guilty about charging. Easier said than done, right? I hope this helps you. Thank you so much for all that you do. Keep on being a unicorn and please check out all my other blogs, vlogs, and podcasts at vetteamtraining.com. <laughs>